0: reaching the fault lines of today. Welcome to Reform This with Dr. Zudi Jasser on the Blaze Radio Network. This is Dr. Zudi Jasser. Welcome back to another episode of Reform This on the Blaze Podcast Network. Hope we're all having a great week. Thanks again for tuning in. If you're new, always a dose of reality, a dose of patriotism, sprinkled with some reform some discussion about what are the areas we should be confronting for national security domestically and abroad and spoken to you from an American Muslim who not only loves my country but believes that Muslims need to be on the front line at the tip of the sword in fighting the ideologies that radicalize. Always a lot to talk to you about. This week we're going to talk about three very important things. Number one, the Death of Phil Haney, and we'll talk about that. Second, a new book with a fantastic title called American Ingrate," and, and I'll let you guess who that one's about. And third, why the French have woken up about political Islam and Islamism and some of the work of Lorenzo Vidino. We'll talk about that. First, I testified in June 2018 to... Senator Cruz's committee on we looked at willful blindness why was the government, why was our homeland security avoiding, ignoring and facilitating Islamism didn't make any sense seated next to me on the panel was Philip Haney Phil Haney was found dead few days ago and God rest his soul prayers to him his family and all his loved ones I wish I had known him better I wish it's always easy to say that after somebody's life is taken away but it's also a reminder that we hope and pray that his life is not lost in vain they're still investigating what exactly happened Initial release, and this is a follow-up release, by the way, from the Office of the Sheriff and Coroner of the Amador County, California Police that said on February 22nd, the Amador County Sheriff's Office released initial details regarding Philip Haney's death being found deceased in our jurisdiction. Unfortunately, there was misinformation being immediately put out that we determined that Mr. Haney's death to be a suicide. This is not the case. We are currently in the beginning phase of our investigation investigation and any final determination as to the cause and matter of Mr. Haney's death would be extremely premature and inappropriate. No determination will be made until all evidence is examined and analyzed. Phil Haney was a hero. He was a whistleblower, a whistleblower that wrote a book called See Something, Say Something, and he's talked extensively since 2015 with interviews on Fox News starting with Megan Kelly and on in which he talked about how his investigations and his work continued to be continued to be denied refused air so he asked for public exposure of this now again All I'm going to do for you is highlight some of the work he's done. We don't know why he died. We don't know why he was killed or if he was killed or initially they said it was a suicide. Most people that know him well have said that that's impossible. He's due to be married in a month. I hope a full investigation and every stone possible is turned to find out what exactly led to his death. He emerged publicly, and this is from a, a great piece summary done by done by uh, Peter Chauka a veteran journalist at the American Thinker he emerged as peter said he emerged in 2015 in a series of articles speeches and interviews in the following year with a book see something say something But it wasn't that. It was See Something, Say Nothing was the name of his book. About his 12-year career with the Department of Homeland Security, DHS, he was especially critical of the Department's policies under President Obama. Almost immediately, Haney achieved a a high profile in both the mainstream and news media. And new media. He testified before the Senate Judiciary in June 28, 2016. I'm sorry, I said 18 before, it was 16, in which he and I testified on the same panel. Other whistleblowers are taking note of Haney's passing. Peter talks about that. So, what did he? What did he testify to? Testified to the purging of all of the information of radicalization that had happened within Homeland Security. Read his book, take a look at what he talked about, how it was purged, how the information was dismissed, and how the wrong groups were engaged, the wrong Islamist groups were engaged. And my experience in which he and I had talked very little actually outside, was very similar outside of the hearings in which we testified and other public platforms. you would have seen us appear. But my experience was very similar, but mine from within the American Muslim community and the Islamist establishment that controlled what we said, what we could say publicly and how much they attacked and vilified those of us who wanted to expose political Islam and its agents domestically and abroad. The evidence of his work is borne out in the reality that if you look at reports like New York State's Counterterrorism Division Joint Counterterrorism Task Force report on homegrown terrorism from 2007. That report has been purged by the Islamists. MPAC New York, Muslim Public Affairs Council, and the Council on American-Islamic Relations initially demanded that a page be added disconnecting and, and insisting that readers not connect piety in Islam with radicalization and terrorism fine but then drip 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 that was added sometime in 2010 11 or 12 2015 that report was demanded to be removed and scrubbed from the internet and any portals related to the government look in the history over the last 10 to 15 years in Homeland Security DOD Positions of authority, positions of study, be it at the war college or whatever that studied Sharia, all became apologists for political Islam, never using words like reform. Even Nidal Hassan's report from a FBI commission, congressionally approved commission, had 180 pages, and nary a word, jihad, or even his name, Or even Islam or Islamism was in there. So how can he treat this disease? So you had to believe that Phil Haney's work was not only true, but hit a nerve. Now there are many heroes like him. He's a patriot through and through. We say a prayer every day for those patriots who take sacrifices, be it the ultimate one domestically or abroad in war, or be it the day-to-day war against the ideological threats to our country and our Constitution and our way of life. But continue to raise the story of Phil Haney until we get a full accounting of what exactly happened in our prayers for his family. I wish I had known him better. I did not know him very well. Other than the few times we testified together, next, I have to you know you have to look at this new book, Ben Weingarten, also a contact of many years, wrote a new book called "The American Ingrate." I'll give you a few seconds to think about who that's about. Come on. You can think of it. Ilhan Omar, yep. Congresswoman Ilhan Omar, there is no greater epitome, exemplification of what an ingrate is than Ilhan Omar and the progressive Islamist takeover of the Democratic Party. I haven't read the book yet, just released. Look forward to getting it, reviewing it. But I have to tell you that, you know, we've talked about her a few times on this podcast, talked to you about the offense in which she declared that there was more terrorism committed by American soldiers in Somalia in 1993 than by the tribes committing the actual acts of terrorism. And she posted that in 2017. Again, vilifying our military, as she constantly does. You'll never find kind words written about the American military on her Twitter feed or Facebook feeds, social media. You'll only find condemnation and vilification. She wrote a list this week of things that trigger conservatives, that she considers her identity. She included hijabi, Somali, foreign-born, Black, didn't say anything about being an American. And appropriately, that was the conservative immigrant running against her's response, who said, The only thing that I identify as is an American, and that's Dahlia Lakiti. As I mentioned, we're taking a look at her. Hopefully, she'll be able to turn that race and open up within it with, with removing the identity politic that has been sort of the, the guilt-ridden vote. That's the only explanation that seems to make sense as to why any Americans would vote for Ilhan Omar. But Ben's first column about his book at the New York Post this week called about Ilhan Omar's appalling collusion with Turkey's tyrant. And he talks about how, by definition, Omar has been colluding with Turkey. In fall, he writes, 2017, Omar, then a state representative, attended a closed meeting with Turkish President Recep Erdogan on the sidelines of the UN General Assembly. According to a report since deleted from a Somali-language periodical, Omar and the Islamist strongman discussed, quote, issues involving Omar's native Somalia, and issues for Somalis in Minnesota. The meeting ended with Erdogan asking Omar to voice her support for Turkey. And a month later, per her marching orders, Omar would take to Twitter to praise Turkey for providing airlifts for Somalis injured in a Mogadishu truck bombing. Why the heck? Ben asks... Was this state representative from Minnesota meeting with the leader of an increasingly anti-American regime? What was the authority of doing so? And I'll even add the question, should she have been registered under the FARA, the Foreign Agent Registration Act? Before that meeting, she and her husband, Ahmed Hirsi, met with Umat Akar, the Turkish consul general in Chicago. She wrote in Facebook, Turkey has been a friend to Somalis everywhere and I look forward to helping, expanding our friendship for decades to come. car would then host Omar again in September 2018 after she won the Democratic nomination to run for the House in her district. Omar traveled to Istanbul with her husband for a Human Rights Defenders Conference. (laughs) What a joke. Reportedly organized by Istanbul's Sicily municipality where she attacked the Trump administration's travel ban against terror-producing nations. The rapport deepened even deeper after she took her congressional seat, Ben writes. Further meetings. Further meetings sponsored by the Islamic DNS Center of America. Congratulating the two Muslim members of Congress, Omar and Tlaib, Turkish newspapers have run complimentary pieces soliciting campaign contributions for Omar, on and on. She even, and I talked about this on our podcast months ago, she even bucked her own party and voted against sanctions on Turkey over its incursion to northern Syria against Syrian Kurds, which passed the House with overwhelming support. So she's so in deep with Turkey, she couldn't get herself to vote against Turkey's incursion and in the massacre of Syrians that she then just a few weeks ago tweeted that her and Tlaib tweeted that, oh, Trump doesn't care about anything in Syria. Really? You're the one that voted against your own party on these things because you're so deep in with Erdogan. She's an ingrate. Ingrate means somebody who is not only ungrateful, but actually hates the very entity that is giving... the generosity of freedom and liberty and rights that she has. Rewarded her by electing her the representative in Congress. And she continues to defy their identity as Americans, refusing to identify herself as a proud patriotic American. And only when asked does she do so. Only when asked does she defend our military when in fact she spends most of our time attacking our military, attacking our allies, In essential countries that are part of not only who we are, like Israel, but in our security and protecting us against the threats in the Middle East and all over the world. American and great. That's exactly what she is. Next, let's talk about France. France recently began, through its president, Emmanuel Macron, to articulate its war on Islamism. Not on terrorism, but Islamism, political Islam. Yes, I fool you not. The non-conservative, the non-populist, elitist, Emmanuel Macron has begun to articulate a more cogent critical analysis and strategy against political Islam Lorenzo Vidino wrote a great piece at the otherwise problematic foreign policy foreign policy magazine which I'm not a fan of but had a great summary, great piece about how he opened his speech. Macron opened his latest speech and said, we must never accept that the laws of religion can be superior to those of the republic. On February 18, Macron delivered a landmark speech and launched his government strategy against political Islam. Islamist separatism, he said, is incompatible with freedom and equality. He stated it's incompatible with the invincibility of the republic and the necessary unity of the nation. It was a surprise. The Mulhouse speech, as it's called, he used terms like Islamist separatism, Islamist supremacism. Bedino points out that the term in French, frero salafiste, has also become mainstream. And he notes that it covers the two Islamist trends critics accuse of promoting separatism in the country the Muslim Brotherhood, Freres Muslimans, with its moderate facade but divisive agenda, and the Salafists, with their firm rejection of French society. Macron said it's about a secession that is sometimes insidiously installed because the republic has deserted or has not kept its promises. We are talking about people who in the name of a religion are pursuing a political project, that of a political Islam that wants to secede from our republic. What has been the trigger? Vadino points out, Islamism the trigger for his concern about Islamism, while many of us yell and scream and hope for people to wake up, as I talked to you that Haney's been trying to do and others, it's been terrorism. France has been at the epicenter, the Charlie Hebdo attacks in January 2015 because of cartoons that they drew of the Prophet Muhammad, the November 15 attacks in Paris, the July 16 Nice truck rammings. And then other many low-intensity acts of violence. And then foreign fighters returning, trying to return from Syria, many of whom radicalized. Now, contrary to the Paris mayor's original protestations when it was discussed on Fox News that There were some no-go zones, and they even threatened lawsuit at the time. Inside and outside government, Lorenzo points out there are, quote, lost territories of the republic, as they're now referring to them publicly. Areas where government control is weak and where crime and Islamism thrive have come to be referred in some quarters. Perfect breeding grounds for the phenomenon of political Islam and separatism. Radicalization is rife there. Ferrero Salafistas, the Brotherhood's Salafism is growing fast and there's no counter ideology to it. Remember, the population of Muslims in France is not the 1% it is in the United States, it is 11 to 12%. Huge population. Can have a huge impact unless they, can, unless they address it immediately. And yet it's taken them 18 years post 9-11. And we're much farther behind. Macron, as Lorenzo points out, is a staunch foe of populism. But he's, he points out also, he's a good reader of his public, of of the National Collective Psyche. And the National Collective Psyche is becoming more anti-Muslim, more more entrenched because they're trying to find a way to understand how to keep themselves safe from something. While not all Muslims are Islamists, all Islamists are Muslims. For terrorist attacks, as he notes, get all the attention from policymakers, security services, and the media, the activities of nonviolent Islamists, on the other hand, tend to be ignored. They're mostly legal. Yes, they're not violating the law. They don't flare up in dramatic incidents, yet now the debate over Islamism is taking place with increased openness. And he points out at the end of his note that a 2018 report by the security services of the North Rhine-Westphalia is Germany's most populous state, encapsulated these new arguments by arguing that, quote, in the long run, the threat posed by legalistic Islamism to the liberal democratic system is greater than that of jihadism. They aspire to an Islamist order, but are prepared to allow certain democratic elements within that framework. For this reason, their extremism is often barely recognizable at first glance. That is our work, ladies and gentlemen. That's what this program is about. God bless people like Lorenzo Vadino that are doing this work, Phil Haney and others. We have a lot of work to do. But when presidents like Macron, who you could argue a lot of his speeches before this were apologetics, were dim- dismissals, if they're starting to wake up. We're far behind. And listen, we know a number of Muslims, look at our reform movement and others that are ready to begin this process of exposing what Islamism is, who the agents of it are from the Council on American Islamic Relations, Islamic Side North America, and other. Uh, Neo-Salafis and and jihadists and Salafi jihadists and Wahhabis and and uh, Shia Islamists of Hezbollah and Khomeinists on and on all these terms that many of you may be like what the heck is he talking about? Let me make it simple: political Islam and its separatism, its disgust for secular liberal democracies, and the breeding that it brings with it for our next generations. Their tip of the spear of Islamism is Ilhan Omar and Rashida Tlaib. They came from their farm teams. We need to have a new farm team of Muslims that love this country and are ready to fight for it. Join me and always thank you for listening in to this podcast. Tell your friends about this podcast, reform this. Find us on Twitter at Reform This Radio and at my Twitter handle at Dr. Zudi Jasser, D R Z U H D I Jasser and at theblaze.com backslash podcast. This is your faithful, anti-Islamist, pro-liberty. Reform This Radio. God bless. We'll talk to you next week. Reform This with Dr. Zudi Jasser on the Blaze Radio Network.